everybody. Uh, welcome. Uh, thank you for being here today. My name is Roger and behind the camera is my wife Angie and we are the Barnabas Bridge. Uh, what we're doing here is uh, uh, right about the, sa the same time that the COVID started up and they started instituting some shutdowns and, and things like that. We, what we thought we was going to do is just record a, a couple, three weeks message while this was going through our lives. And so we did, and, and we started out, and now it's turned into several months later, and we're still doing it. And, and I'll tell you, we've kind of decided that we're just going to, whatever COVID does, uh, we're going to continue to do the online messages. And so apart from taking a week here, they're off, uh, we hope you join us and you have the opportunity. In recent weeks, we've been talking about a specific subject, and it's what is the church? And so we've decided, I think, in our conversations is that the church is really just folks like you and I doing our best to keep Jesus famous. Um, it's our mission, isn't it? And so the church is just uh, uh, us getting together and, and from a moment-by-moment moment understanding that once God invades the lives of people uh, through the power of the cross and the work of the Holy Spirit, that each and every one of us has a ministry, and each of us has a part to play in the church. I think that's really spelled out in the scripture that we're going to start with today from Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. It says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's our real conversation uh, today specifically. Uh, I want us to think about, number one, that God is in control. Uh, number two, that God has a plan in all the things that life might throw at us. And number three, if we are a believer, then that plan includes us. I think this uh, idea that we talked about just at the close last week, that we're going to go into the, to the small book in the New Testament called Titus. And I think that it will really play out as far as us understanding those specific things uh, from our focus scripture this morning but also uh, really what the church uh, can and should look like direct from the Word of God when the churches were really just starting to be developed. So Titus is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to a, a younger man named Titus, who Paul had uh, mentored uh, for many years. It's dated about 62 or 65 A.D., and so this letter was written roughly 30 years after God Himself, Jesus Christ, walked the face of the earth, and then ascended to heaven. So about the same time frame, 30 years, after the, the beginning chapters of the book of Acts, uh, when so many unbelievable dramatic things were taking place, 3,000 people getting saved with one sermon, and multiple people just coming to the Lord daily uh, because of the power of what was going on at that time. This letter are instructions from Paul to Titus then, uh, to help out and how to direct is to him about a struggling church on the island of Crete. Crete is about 1,500 miles away from Jerusalem by land. And so if you imagine um, that distance in those days when travel was so difficult, um, it's really kind of amazing that in just the span of just 30 years, um, word of Jesus Christ had spread that far and now through all the improbabilities, people even in this island of, of Crete were being changed. People's lives were being dramatically rerouted because of a knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. 
And so today, and then some in the coming weeks too, I'd like to spend a little bit of time in the book of, or the letter of Titus. And today is going to be kind of an introduction to this letter. And so, and I believe how we might look at it in this understanding of God is in control, God has a plan in all things, and if we're believers, uh, we're a part of that plan. I think how we might find a, a real directive there or some understanding is if we just look at kind of an overview of the specific characters that are involved in this opening passage. Now I say overview so because I, I want to always encourage you that there is so much information to be garnered from even a small uh, letter like Titus. You can read the entire book in just seven or eight minutes, but you can stay immersed in the meaning and the power and the backstory for, for many, many weeks, if not months, if not years, and really in all probability the rest of your life, and still glean power and knowledge from it because it's God's Word. And so please, if we go, we're here together for 20-some minutes each, each week, um, study the Word yourself and find out what you find. And so let's start out with this book of Titus, and we're going to be in chapter 1, uh, verse number 1 through 3, and we're going to, the first character I want to look at is Paul. And it starts out just like that in chapter 1, verse number 1, the Word of God in Titus says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. And at his appointed season, he brought his word to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. Now the Apostle Paul, remember we're just going to look at the characters today. The first time that we are introduced to him, he, his name was Saul. And it was in the book of Acts, about chapter 7, the end of it. And 758, as a matter of fact, if you're taking notes and you want to go back there and study later, and I hope you do. And 758 and then the beginning of chapter 8. What we find is, is a young man named Saul. Uh, um, he's a Jewish man, a, a very stern religious type of a Pharisee. And he's standing nearby as some of his counterparts and peers are stoning a young man named Stephen to death. That's their introduction to Paul, who is Saul at this time. It says that he's standing by approving, holding the coats of those who, if you can imagine, are throwing rocks at a young man to kill him. And they keep pummeling and do so, and it says that Saul, who was standing there, approved of their actions. That's our introduction to Paul. And it's the murder of the first Christian martyr, Stephen, of when he's introduced. And he approved of such a thing. We can skip ahead a little bit and we go to ch chapter 9 of the book of Acts. And it says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats to the Lord's disciples. <laughs> I remember reading that for the first time, and I, I kind of laughed because I just pictured this guy who was just so enraged just at the very mention of the name of a Christian that steam was coming off the top of his head. But in that same chapter of 9 of Acts, it goes on, and soon what we find is that Saul is on his way to Damascus now, 
because apparently he'd, he'd done enough damage to the Christians in Jerusalem that he wanted to branch out his business just a bit. And so he was on his way to, Jeru- for, to Damascus from Jerusalem when God had a different plan and God intervened. God drops Saul in the sand along the road and he blinds him just to get his attention. We follow his story and we find out he changes his name to Paul and then soon afterward, Paul is so filled with the power of God in his life, the change of the cross and the spirit leading him that Paul becomes really what is arguably the greatest missionary who ever lived on the face of the earth. So some might argue that Paul, Saul, was a psychopathic murderer on his way uh, to do more, to do more damage to the church when God said, I've got a different plan for you. And folks, you just cannot make this kind of stuff up, can you? Now what you have to do is you look at the life of a man like Paul. You might shake your head, but you have to admit that even in those odd ways, the darkest times for some of the people who Saul was probably chastened, now look back in retrospect and just say, surely God is in control. And surely God has a plan in all things of life. And if they are believers like Paul is, then God has them included in his plan. We can continue on reading in Titus this morning. In verse number four, Paul is writing and he says, This letter is to Titus, my true son in our common faith. Grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Now, Titus is mentioned several times uh, in the New Testament, and, and he was a traveling companion. He traveled extensively with both Paul and Barnabas. When they speak of him, it's obvious from the writing that he, or what he was assigned to do, he had some organizational skills, and so he helped churches out a few different times, and so he obviously would have had some people skills as well. Paul was his mentor, and Titus was a young Greek Gentile. And that's the name or the word that is important for us to take note of this morning, because that Gentile... It's a term that refers to a person who is not a Jew. And so I'm a Gentile, and probably everybody or most everybody that's listening today is also a Gentile. But in those days, from the Jewish perspective, the word Gentile was often seen as uh, those who were just pagans, who not only didn't know the true God, but in the Jewish understanding, the religious of the day would say there's no chance that they could ever know the true God. During Jesus' time, many Jews took such pride in their own cultural and religious heritage that they considered the the Gentiles unclean, and they would use derogatory words like dogs to describe them. A few weeks ago, we talked about the half-Gentile Samaritans who were north of Jerusalem, and they were viewed truly as enemies to be shunned. But here we are, we're finding a young... um, Greek Gentile by the name of Titus being led to Christ by a man named Paul, a newborn, uh, born-again believer named Paul, who once described himself as the Pharisee of Pharisees. Meaning that any other time prior to this, Paul wouldn't have even spoken to Titus. (laughs) 
but now it's to Titus, my true son in the faith. What a change God makes in people's lives. The fact that they even knew each other was a remarkable thing. The fact that they were traveling companions, that Paul looked at him as as the love of a son. We just have to step back and say, when things like this happen, surely that means that there's a true God in control. And that even in the strangest of relationships and times, that God has a plan in all these things of life. And of course, if they're believers like Titus, then God has a plan that includes them. So it was God himself, Ephesians 2 says, before the foundations of the world, who chose Titus to come to Crete because he needed a witness there just like him. So we move on to Crete, another player in our story today. Verse number 5, Paul is writing to Titus and he says, The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished. Crete just so happens, I guess, that it was a Greek island, right? You remember Titus is a Greek. You remember God has a plan in all things, right? The Cretes, the Cretans. We know a few things about them. I mean, they're all over history, of course, but even in the scriptures, we can pick up a couple things just for our, uh, our notice this morning. In chapter 1, verse 12 of this same letter of Titus, Paul says about the Cretans, even one of their own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. And then Paul says, and it's true. <laughs> Isn't that something? Paul's talking about this church and now these new believers, and it must have been these people with that reputation of, of being liars and brutes and lazy gluttons. They must have, when they heard that some of those Cretans were getting saved, they must have said, no way! That's what people said about me when I got saved. No way. Because maybe I was a liar and a brute and a lazy glutton. The reputation they had. But God had a different plan. We mentioned the distance from Crete to Jerusalem and it's 1,500 miles. The first time that uh, in the New Testament that we start talking about the Cretans, those from Crete. Amazing enough is in, is in the book of Acts. Chapter 2, verse 7 through 11. I don't know if you remember this or not, but that's when Peter stepped out on the streets of Jerusalem. After the Holy Spirit came in his life and everything got rearranged for him and he walked out on the street and he proclaimed the name of Jesus Christ and it said that in that crowd of foreigners who had come on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem during Pentecost stood Cretans. And so there's some folks uh, that are write some historical uh, documents of the church and they believe that some of the people that, that Titus was going to go minister to was now the people that had stood in Jerusalem 30 years before this. 
and they took home the message of Jesus Christ, but, had, but they had such short information that the church that they developed wasn't quite right. But now, God had a plan. Because 1,500 miles distance, and 30 years later, he'd hand-selected a Gentile who was led to Christ by a murderer. And now things in Crete were about to change. (laughs) And we look at this and we say, man, God must surely be in control. And even in these movements, it crossed miles and years and relationships and even murder and lying and gluttons and evil brutes. He still has a plan. And when he changes the lives of people just like that, they're a part of his story too. I can't just walk away from saying Peter's name without telling just a little bit because he fits into this same story as well. Remember that day that Peter walked out in Jerusalem? Because we talked about it a few weeks ago. And it was right after that the Holy Spirit had descended on, on all the apostles. And everything changed in their life. This Peter, just a few weeks before, was hiding out in the upper room. Because during that holy week, we call it, the darkest hour of mankind, the one that he thought was the Messiah, the Savior of the world, had been nailed to a tree and had died. And he thought everything was lost. But God had a different plan. And even in the darkest hour, Peter must have looked back at his life and said, man, (laughs) all along God had a plan. And in all things of life, he's in control. And even someone like me, he can use for his story. This is all so remarkable, folks. You just can't make things like this up. And so I hope for you, what it does, it gives validity and, and, and truth to the fact that if God is in control and, and He has a plan in all the things of life, and, and, and if I'm one of His children, then I'm a part of that plan. It gives me such great comfort in these times of unknown and such great chaos that seems to be every corner of the earth. I hope that it brings you peace. Reading about these characters who must have looked at their own life and said, I've got nothing to offer. Because that's really where I want to end up today, is how do we fit into all of this? Well, if we look at the characters of the Bible, people just like us, people maybe even we consider worse than us, God turned them into the world's greatest missionaries. God turned them into people with taking their natural talents of being organizational and people skills 
and helping them rebuild churches. God took people like Peter and made his wishy-washy ways into a rock and into one of the major leaders of the first church. If he does all those things, then we look at our own life and we have to decide that we have a great and wonderful God who is orchestrating events all the time. And they're completely outside of our vision and our expectations and always surpass our wildest dreams. And so as we begin this book of Acts, we just have this number one idea that we don't have to always have the dots connected in our lives. Because if we are children of God, through the darkness of the cross, but now by the power of the Holy Spirit, God has already got that plan figured out. Ours is to be in His purpose. That truth frees us up from here on out to really uh, attain that number one and always for, on the focus of our responsibility, isn't it? Paul writing Titus in chapter 2, verse 10, and we've used this scripture already last week. He says, this is what you do when you get to Crete. You get all these things organized, but don't ever miss the message. Get everything in order so that church, this church, you and I's church, the church that we're a part of in 2020, that the mission that God has laid at our feet in this season of His good work. In that scripture, Paul says to Titus, get these things in order so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. And through that, the whole world will know of our good and our gracious and are always providential and loving God. So my friends, I hope this message is an encouragement to you, and I hope you have the best of weeks coming ahead. And my prayer for you always, my friends, is that as you open up the pages of all your tomorrows, you have confidence that God has already filled them in with His love and His grace and His mercy in your life. So as we go forward, let us confidently and always do our very best to keep our Lord and Savior Jesus' face. Take care.